Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Media Podcast, I'm Brian Williams. Sorry, slight white light, I'm Ollie Mann, nothing more than an exaggeration really. On today's show, the biggest deal in Premier League history, BT and Sky paying over 5 billion quid to show English football. What does that say about how much those businesses need soccer to thrive? ITV have had their worst month on record, but it could have been different we discuss why plus radio ratings offer poor results for five live and bbc local radio an update on the save our sources campaign and is kelvin mckenzie about to take on his former station talk sport this is the media podcast sponsored by audio boom And with me today at the Hospital Club is the Director of Broadcasting at City University London. Welcome back, Professor Liz Howell. Hello, Liz. Hello. Nice Uh, to hear the Professor bit. Yeah, always, I think. Uh, Now, you've got a uh, poll or a study going on at any given time of the day. What is it today? Yeah, well, we're always polling to find out how many expert women are interviewed on TV and radio news. And we did a diversity poll for Broadcast Magazine before Christmas. which Did you have a pink campaign bus? No. I'm sorry I didn't. I should have worked on that, shouldn't I? Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) And what was the result that you found? Well, with the diversity, it was really quite interesting because we found that on-screen presence of black and uh, visible ethnic minority people, that roughly it did mirror the population, but there were pockets, and strangely, there weren't very many black and Asian people on light entertainment programmes. Really odd. You'd think that on something like, you know, X Factor or The Voice, you'd have loads, but no. Thank you, Liz. And making his media podcast debut, it is the managing director of Talkback, Leon Wilson. Leon, therefore, you are the man essentially responsible for Keith Lemon. Well, not just myself, but yeah, partly responsible. Yeah, I'm not taking the full <laughs> so rap on It's that. an epitaph you're going to have to face <laughs> yeah, at some point. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. But also QI, never mind the buzzcocks, uh, through the keyhole, which of course is now rebooted with Keith. Did you consider calling it through the Keith hole? Cause that we, would... we did want to call it that, but the format holders at the time wouldn't let us change the name. That is a missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, you've got the Keith Lemon sketch show on at the moment. Yeah, Doing... it started last week, did fantastically. Uh, ITV2's highest new launch for two years. Which is yeah. obviously, and a lot of people are saying, you know, that's pretty good ratings for a brand new show. At the same time, some people confuse that it's called the Keith Lemon sketch show when <laughs> Keith Lemon is a character and it's actually Lee Francis playing other characters. Yeah, we did think about this. At one point, we were thinking of calling it Lee Francis sketch show, but we just thought, what's the most likely sh- name to get bums on seats, really? So it was kind of cynical. Uh, and also, it sort of protects Lee's privacy a little bit. You know, I think he'd rather be known as Keith Lemon in some ways, mm. uh, even though, uh, it, you know, just because it sort of stops people stopping in the supermarket quite so much. And it worked. 
And it you've got the rating, so that yes. cynicism pays off. Yes. <laughs> Unlike every other media story we cover. It's a bit like Alan Partridge, isn't it? You know, who's the real, well, who's, who's the, the person real playing person? the person yeah. playing the person? I think it's good, A person playing a person playing another person, yeah. Well, as Alan might say, back of the net, we're going to start by talking about football. Sky and BT, behind the biggest Premier League rights auction in history, 5.13 billion pounds. Uh, that is two billion quid more than last time the broadcasters successfully bid to televise top division football in the UK. Uh, I think it's a 70% increase on average on what they paid last time. Liz, this shows, doesn't it, just how important football is to doesn't, Sky and BT? Doesn't it just, and I don't get it at all, I'm not a soccer fan, I've got a girlfriend who's absolutely crazy about Manchester United, but it doesn't do it for me. These seem to me to be insane figures, obviously because BT and Sky are both involved and it's racked up the price and so on. The fact they're paying £10 million a match now, which when you put it in those terms, it, it, from we're looking at TV budgets, which is what I look at, that's an insane amount of money per show. It says to me that it's not really a television story. This it's all, it's a, it's not really it's, you can't compare it. It's in a different universe. I totally agree with um, you. It's not about the TV side. It's a cultural phenomenon. It's, well, it's about selling boxes and subscriptions. Yeah, okay. We all know that. Well, exactly. So yeah. then, but it does. It is a TV story in the sense that it has two knock-on things. One is subscribers are going to end up paying more. Uh, because it's going to cost more and they have to recoup their costs. And secondly, it means, presumably, less budget to spend on the kind of shows that you make. BT Sport don't make anything but sport, so that's not a problem for us. Sky, well, arguably Sky put a lot of money into drama yeah, and and, in, and comedy uh, mm-hmm. over the last couple of years, and there's an argument that they may put in less. They've said that that won't be the case, but what time will tell, I guess. Interestingly, with Sky, Stuart Murphy was saying that it's experiencing its lowest churn ever. They obviously feel that the football's one way of keeping people. It's, it's for them, it's worth the money. I don't know, it's probably worth the money on paper now, but what's it going to look like in a year's time? Well, that's true, but I went to my second ever live football match a few weeks ago uh, and such is the nature of uh, my interest in uh, soccer uh, that I spent most of the match watching the advertising hoardings Uh, and I noticed uh, that uh, Weibo uh, were sponsoring Tottenham Hotspur uh, and it had an address on it that you could only access if you used Weibo in China. Mm. I mean, that's the point. This is getting televised all over the world. It's such a huge business, even if Britain stopped watching The next international deal, I think, will be the same as the British deal. Previously, it's been about half, I think. And I I think the next one will probably match this. Maybe not quite five billion, but it will be close to that. Leon, do you watch football? I do, yeah. I've got BT Sport. I've never had Sky, but I I do watch, you know, I'm a football fan, yeah. And... Have BT Sport helped encourage any kind of useful innovation in the way the sport is actually presented? Because we talked about this a bit at the World <laughs> Cup last year. You know, football presentation was getting a little bit stale. They tried to revivify it by having people on the pitch, but then people were swearing in the background and that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, they've got a few more women and that kind of thing, but basically it's still quite stale, well, isn't it? a few more women. How innovative can well, you, you know, get? Take, take what you can get, Liz. <laughs> what I've yeah. seen, I've Pardon? only watched a couple of games. I say they have. There's a few things they brought in. The touch maps, so they have these little like, overlay oh. graphics where you see how many times and you know they do it in real time over the pitch and I think that's actually when I've seen that recently I thought well, that was actually quite nice I'm sure Sky are doing the same but it's I think the I think it's good to have two people innovating yes in anything I mean, that's true isn't it Liz I mean at least competition will help yeah I just don't think better. that there's the, to, to go back to the point I made before I don't think there's the capacity for creativity and innovation and it, and 
excitement in, in football. I think you, you have to show the match, you have to do it a certain way. Yes, of course, Sky makes it fabulously slick and so on, but in the end, it is not the same as creating a, a comedy format or doing a drama or even having a fabulous panel show. It's not got the same potential, and I think the sums paid are, are outrageous. You've got to use that argument, Leon, when you go and renegotiate your contract for Celebrity <laughs> yeah, Juice. Yeah, panel yeah. shows, 10 million an episode, please. I want 12. <laughs> uh, well, actually, let's go on to talk about ITV. They have had, in fact, their worst performing January on record, according to Media Guardian, the main channel, posting a share over the course of the month of just 14.4%. And now to put that in context, BBC One, by contrast, had 23% of audience share. So that is a big difference. And especially when you consider what the plans at ITV were, because they look very strong, an award-winning drama coming back, plus a high-profile cutting-edge import in development. But the second series of Broadchurch hasn't done as well as expected in the ratings, and Rising Star was cancelled mid-development, only to be replaced by a reboot of Stars in Their Eyes and a variety show called Get Your Act Together, which haven't performed brilliantly either. Let's start with Broadchurch, which you could hardly call a flop, but clearly, Liz, the audience haven't taken to this second series. Why? One of the things, I think, is that the, the press itself has been quite negative about Broadchurch because in, in this country, and it's a well-known phenomenon, nobody likes a success story and everybody waits for a success story to fall off its perch. And they all went for Broadchurch big time. It's going to be difficult to absolutely keep up with that sort of degree of success anyway. Personally, I love it. I love this series. I think it's fascinating. I don't find glitches about, you know, legal process too much of a problem. I think the characters are great. I can't wait to find out who'd done it. So it's it's difficult. I can't see that they could have done any better. I think it was extremely clever to take the story on rather than go for another story. It's definitely creative, yeah. uh, but actually if you've got an audience for a murder mystery, and I'm one of those I'm afraid, Liz, I would have preferred another kid to be knocked off so I could watch <laughs> well, another murder got, mystery. You have got another kid. You've got the whole Sandbrook thing. Oh yeah, I don't care about that at oh, all. Oh I do. I'm so really gripped by that terrible Claire. I think right. she's a monster. <laughs> you know, look, it, people are bound to differ over it, but I do think that when you, when you get a sort of press tsunami against you it is it is very difficult and also it's the scheduling you know it's up against different stuff on on BBC now I think also with ITV they've probably taken on too many new things at once in in an attempt to revive the whole thing Saturday night is a well-known graveyard anyway in terms of ratings and in terms of entertainment it's very very difficult to get that right you know when you get it right so important but it's hard to get it right when it's not the pay dirt that say a a great big story in the week is a, a drama in the week that can carry on week after week I mean Saturday is a difficult one to do it's all very well to crow about this and say you know ITV really really bad but it, it goes up and down wait till mm. next time and actually, uh, you know a few a few years ago BBC One wasn't so great well and a few years before that ITV were really doing terribly generally weren't they I mean yeah, at least their general better. story is that they've got big hits like Broadchurch and Downton Abbey they're just not doing yeah, as well as you yeah, think absolutely I mean I, I'm a, an ITV fan for all sorts of reasons some of them political really I think it's incredibly important we have two big players there and um, I think that just wait and see you never know Leon, when it comes to those Saturday night formats, though, and obviously at Talkback you've had a fair share of having a pop at those and also trying to pitch new ones, how difficult is it to get that recipe right? It's really hard, I'd say. I actually really like Stars in the Rise, the reboot. I'm in a minority, clearly. I'm in the but, minority too. But I, I really enjoyed first. it. I think it was. I was really pleased that ITV were trying to just be, give you know harry this chance to sort of really do something quite different in that slot uh, and i really wish it had done better but uh, it hasn't uh, i think it's, it was a shame it was up against the voice i think if it hadn't been up against the voice it had a better chance yeah but um, you know, everyone was moaning about the voice a few years ago that was never going to make it was never going to be another x factor it's really a tough market it is really well it's really i mean for some reason people still like the voice i don't quite get it myself no, but they, the they it. but um, broad shows the, the, themselves in their eyes though is there an element they were taking the piss out of the public i mean that's what some yeah, people have said i think they could have possibly dialed back on the kind of uh, deconstruction 
construction of the show in the last part of it especially I think when you're getting you know the very last parts it would be nice to sort of take away some of the Harry elements and just let the, the contestants enjoy their moments yeah. without trying to sort of have other gags in there I, I totally agree with that I think it, it's about the public isn't it it's about the contestants yeah. and yeah, yeah. It, it kind of and Very that's good the point. difference between Through the Keyhole and Stars and Rises Through the Keyhole doesn't having Keith Lemon do it doesn't really change the basic gameplay it's you still guessing whose house he's in yeah. even if it's Keith Lemon doing it rather than mm. Lloyd Grossman whereas Harry doing it does somehow make it slightly different when you come to real people's yeah, kind that's of, a really good point you know, it's like dreams. all about Harry isn't it yeah. And I think that's fine to a point, but in the last part, I would, you know, I would maybe dial back on that, possibly. And what do you think ITV do need to do to improve? I mean, obviously, you've got a lot of relationships with them. What do you think they're going to be saying at the they moment? They should be probably saying commission all shows from talk back. Yeah, obviously, that's <laughs> a given. Uh, <laughs> well, I think that Broadchurch, I'd say the consolidated figures are fantastic yeah. it, was got, it was 3 million people extra watching on catch up which is the most is I've so ever important. seen it's you know, so this important is to take a huge amount of people watching yeah. it it's like a, you know another third of the audience uh, it's on par with it. so I don't think Broadchurch is fine that's that's you know even though the press would like to have a little go at it in entertainment I think they probably need another show to sit alongside X Factor and BGT you know that's kind of but they would everyone and yet clearly the audience are bored of singing shows aren't they well yeah it ideally shouldn't be a reality show where people are singing on a, you know, on a stage ideally but no one's come up with a solution yeah, they no, thought they had it with Surprising Star and they didn't. And get your act together. I mean, I just flicked past it the other day and it was Anne Widdicombe doing a magic trick with a mouse and I did think, bloody hell, this is like a parody. My guess would be there'd be a big game show. You never know where these things are going to come from. I mean, look at Strictly. Because I remember Wayne Garvey coming to talk to the students eight, nine years ago and saying, I'm thinking of doing a ballroom dancing show. How many of the students would be interested just to see? And there was quite a big show of hands and I'd like to think that was Strictly was born, you know. <laughs> but you'd never have thought that was going to happen. Yeah, no, I mean, I remember I was a TV critic actually for The Observer at the time that they suggested the idea of uh, Strictly Come Dancing and I remember people in a meeting there saying my god they're actually digging up Bruce Forsyth that was the phrase that was used <laughs> and dusting down uh, Come Dancing because well, it just sounded great, like such an old idea that's the great joy of telling and scheduling and so on isn't it nobody these things knows. come nobody from knows. nowhere yeah. and uh, what do you reckon of the uh, latest idea from ITV Newsoids this is their kind of spitting image style resurrection mm, I don't know I don't think that's a great idea what do you think I can't wait to see it Puppet satire. <laughs> I used to work with one of the producers, Giles Pilbrow, who um, is the sort of creator of the show. And he's a really good producer. He's obviously produced horrible histories in the last five, six years. And so I think if there's any chance of the show like that working, it would be someone like Giles running it. I did think, of, I saw a quote of him saying he hopes it doesn't get, it avoids comparison with Spitting Image. Impossible. Which, which I did think was hopeful. Isn't that the point? Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and they've been down that road before with, people forget this, they always mentioned 2D TV, which Giles was 10 years that. ago. Giles made that. Right, well, but they also kind of had just a few years ago a show called Head Cases which I actually quite liked yeah. um, but everyone forgets was yeah, an attempt to resurrect Spitting Image and didn't do very well but I think it, anything that's got the title news in it is quite it's quite dangerous when you go into a sort of entertainment era it'll all be about come down to the quality of the writing and the ideas within the show if they're good then it, the show will be good and people puppets. yeah if, if the writing's good and the ideas are good then the show's good Alright, well we shall wait and see. In the style of ITV, we're about to have a commercial break, but first, uh, it was the Ray Jars last week, uh, radio ratings, uh, so to tell us who is up and who is down on the wireless, here's the smooth, silky voice of broadcast consultancy, Paul Robinson. Well, a key highlight, obviously, is London, which is the most competitive market in the UK and an indicator, I think, of what might happen outside London. And in this radar, for the first time on all measures, reach, hours, average hours per listener, KISS has overtaken capital. Never happened before. Uh, it's obviously only one quarter, so we'll see where that's sustained. But for them, congratulations, and they are celebrating. On the other hand, 
uh, Magic, the other major brand that comes under Bauer, has declined and looks like it's in long-term decline. Now, this is before the relaunch on DAB as a national service, so we'll see what the next book brings. But on the other hand, Smooth is coming up. Smooth in London, owned by Global, really is generally now starting to build its audience, getting regularly now reach of about 700,000 and adding quite significantly across the day. So I think Smooth is definitely the strongest it's ever been uh, and we'll see whether it can really get itself into that top tier. LBC continues to go from strength to strength. Now it has fewer listeners than Capital and some of the other music stations. Because the average listening per listener is so strong, LBC is now the second most listened to commercial network in London with Heart at number one. So a very interesting dynamic commercial situation. The big story in terms of the BBC networks is Radio 5 Live, which has lost about 700,000 listeners. Now they had a big schedule change with three of the major presenters, Victoria Derbyshire, Sheila Fogarty and Richard Bacon all leaving. It looks as though maybe listeners are missing them you know they do build a relationship particularly in speech radio where you have a real sort of sense of companionship and you know you invite someone into your home it may be that that's starting to have a negative impact on five live and obviously victoria derbyshire going to lbc can't help so jonathan's got a bit of rebuilding to do at five live the bbc also celebrating uh, bob shen and the controller celebrating massively and rightly so with his team for the first time ever a digital network has gone beyond a weekly reach of 2 million. So, Six Music, 2.1 million weekly reach listeners. And that's a phenomenal result. So, the question is, where can it get to next? Can it get to 3 million, 4 million, 5 million? I think it can. The trick here is not to go mainstream. Six Music must maintain what it's about. It's a very special home where music is valued, presenters love the music, they cherish it, everything is very, very carefully looked after and it has to keep that DNA and I think it can. If it does, its audience will go up naturally. So Bob, don't mainstream it, don't change it, keep it as it is, it will continue to grow. And digital as well, it continues to grow. I mean, we're seeing DAB penetration continuing to climb, internet radio slowing up a little bit, other non-digital radio also growing very healthily. And then the last story really, I guess, is the decline of BBC Local Radio, down 300,000 listeners. Now, BBC Local Radio is a network of stations in England, Wales, uh, Northern Ireland. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Scotland, but actually a very important network, particularly to serve older listeners. And 300,000 is a bad fall. That's a big drop. Uh, and the reason is that BBC Local Radio isn't connecting with its listeners the way it did. It's very good at managing news stories. It's driven by a news agenda. But a radio station is more than just lots of good news stories, local and national. It's about a radio station cementing itself with its community. And if you listen to BBC Local Radio, it does feel as though it's lost its way a bit as a radio station. So a lot of work to do uh, with the local stations at the BBC. Oh, and here's a fascinating stat. Um, Ollie Mann, the uh, wonderful and loved presenter of this podcast, of course, does overnights on LBC. And looking at the numbers, what's really interesting is that LBC's overnight audience with Ollie Mann has a bigger audience than afternoons on Smooth Radio in London. Oh, what a nice man he is. And a very wise one. This episode of the Media Podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace's all-in-one hosting and design service allows you to create one-off sites for your new series, campaign or online store in minutes. And, by way of demonstration, the Media Podcast has a website created using Squarespace. You can find it at themediapodcast.squarespace.com and it's packed full of extra episodes from speakers at the Guardian Edinburgh International Television Festival the next radio conference, and now the full bug event we previewed in our last bonus episode. If you're a pleasure to the media podcast, you can take in all of the different events we've been to, and if you're not, you can be soon. If you like what we've created with Squarespace, you can get your own plan for just $8 a month, and that includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. For a free trial with no credit card required, Head to squarespace.com now and you'll get 10% off a monthly or annual plan by using the code MEDIAPOD at the checkout. Okay, time for some more stories from the Media Village. Ofcom have revealed two bidders for the second commercial DAB multiplex. Uh, You may remember that was originally won by Channel 4 Radio. Remember them before they pulled the plug in 2009. Uh, The two proposals are, one, Sound Digital, which is a joint bid by Arkiva, Bauer and UTV Media. They're proposing 15 stations, including new TalkSport brands, uh, plus the return of Virgin Radio, which is the thing that's kind of mainly caught the attention of the press. The second bid is called Listen to Digital. That's a joint bid by Orion Media and Babcock's Media Services. They're proposing 18 stations, and some we've heard of, like Matt Deegan's children's station, Fun Kids. Uh, but there's also going to be a new sports station to rival Talk Sport if they win the bid. That would be launched by Jason Bryant and Kelvin McKenzie, who founded Talk Sport, of course, and, and that as well uh, has got the industry talking. Liz, beyond the headlines, what has caught your eye here about these bids? I'm really interested to think whether or not there is a sufficient market for two TalkSport style stations. I mean, TalkSport itself is very effective, very successful. Is there room for another one in the market? I'm not, I'm not sure there is, but Kelvin probably thinks there is, and they'll have done their homework and their due diligence and so on. 
you'd have to have a different take from Talksport, and there's nothing I've seen about this that sounds sufficiently different. Would you? Because I mean, earlier we were talking about Sky Sports and BT Sport, think, and we were saying good to have the I competition. Think this, was a, this is a slam dunk. I definitely think there is a market for another sports uh, sort of radio station, and, and I don't think they need to offer something drastically different. I just think there's enough of an appetite to have a you know one talking about rugby, the other one can talk about football, and yeah, they can sort of just flip flop around each other a bit. So like as long Sky as they're doing different sports, it's yeah, like country scheduling. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's what Sky Sports and BT Sport try to do. I think, and I think it would be exactly the same. I think there's the, the growth of Talksport over the last sort of ten years shows that there is a sort of almost insatiable appetite for news about sport, and I think that they'll probably do quite well if it launches. On the other bid, though, you've got UTV who actually own Talksport pitching some extra sports stations as well. Though I imagine that'd be more coverage than talking. Mm. But stations called I think Talk Business and the return of Talk Radio as well. Um, I guess for presenters like me, that could be quite good if those stations launch, because there isn't anywhere really to kind of talk about stuff that isn't just the news or sport. I think that's been a real lack. I mean, pop radio has taken over so drastically throughout all the radio outlets that perhaps there really is an opportunity to have a look at other radios, and other radio stations, other radio formats and see which one works. I mean, maybe what this is really about is proliferating and see what survives. And who knows? You don't know what's going to survive out there. There is definitely a taste for radio that hasn't gone away and which isn't satisfied, I would say. And that this is one way, perhaps, of testing the market and seeing what's going to do it. But it is going to be a proliferation of taste, isn't it? It's going to be a country station, a Christian station and da-da-da, whoever wins. Is there a danger that actually you just get extra dominance of the BBC as they're the only ones doing really, really big stations carrying everything? Well, that would be gainsaid by the, the latest figures, which show that, that uh, Radio 5 Live and BBC Local Radio is actually declining. Uh, right, uh, a bit of an update now on Press Gazette's Save Our Sources campaign. We talked about this a bit in October. Uh, police have been accessing journalists' phone and email records using the Reaper Act, usually for terrorism investigations. Well, now there's a Commons vote later this month which hopes to curb the practice of police spying on journalists. Uh, Liz, this is a Lib Dem proposal, so it might not get passed, but it must be worth a shot, no? Yeah, this is really interesting. This is the Press Gazette's campaign, and uh, the police themselves, the Met particularly, have said that they've been harassed by uh, nuisance calls and nuisance um, FOI requests from uh, the Press Gazette about what's going on. So it's really war between the Press Gazette and the Met, and I suppose, quite obviously, I would come down the side of Press Gazette that it's it's going to be very interesting to see what happens out of this. It's quite a complicated idea because obviously the police have got to have the right to, to get into certain private accounts and so on, but there does seem to be some indication that there's been almost harassment of journalists. And so we'll have to see. I don't think that necessarily going through the parliamentary channels is going to work, but I think there could be a great public response to this. And it the raises idea, the profile. It, it raises yeah. the profile of the campaign, and I think ordinary people probably feel that they've gone too far, the police have gone too far. And Leon, this isn't actually just an issue regarding journalists necessarily, if you think about the hack that happened at Sony earlier this year as well. This is any media company and their online security. That was hilarious, though. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm, sure, I'm sure your emails really would be squeaky clean. If I they did were have published. to really think that the, the couple of weeks after that happened, I did genuinely start to was more, much more careful about what I put in emails. It's not, not, it's not a bad reminder. I'm glad it wasn't us they hacked. Mm. Not that I've said anything like that was in those emails, but... It, it seems to, that the, the journalist case is being made and being taken up, and it's not just the Lib Dems. I mean, Cameron has said that uh, he feels that, that this is something that ought to be you know, investigated and supported, the, the, the case for it. it. It is a difficult one, and it's, it, it brings into play the whole idea of the freedom of the press and you know the rights of free speech and all that sort of stuff. It, it's, it's really, though, to do with modern technology, isn't it? It's to do with the fact you can find out all of this stuff and where does it stop? And actually, what it just leads to, and I heard Tom Newton Dunn from The Sun saying this, is uh, you just meet someone in the pub. 
Yeah. I mean, go just go back, back to doing what you used to do. <laughs> yeah. Just have a copy of the FT with yeah. two gaps for your that's eyes right. and meet just on a bench. A fiver, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really something that's got to be addressed. It's a, it's a dangerous move, and I think that the police are slightly wrong-footed on this. I really do. OK, one last story. The news that Rona Fairhead, chair of the BBC Trust, has given her first speech since taking office. Uh, Liz, what did she have to say? Well, I was at the speech, and it was really very interesting. It was like uh, the things that she didn't say, which were really, really interesting. Mm. She assumed that the BBC Trust is going to be there forever, which, you know, a lot of people think it won't be there for the next five minutes. So her assumption was, in a sense, quite irritating. And she came over as a very, very pleasant, accessible, intelligent, thoughtful person. But what we really needed in that role was somebody robust who was going to defend the BBC governance and talk about the BBC Trust. But she didn't do that. She just made that assumption. She didn't talk about the licence fee, which is a real hot potato. I mean, many of us believe that, for example... BBC Three going onto um, internet only is like driving a coach and horses through the licence fee arrangement because it means people can get a major BBC service without paying for it. And technically, you pay for it if you get it live on your computer, but how are they going to know? And what's more, well, what's live in, in the world, world of the internet? But would you so, have expected her to wade into that absolutely. sewage pit in her maiden of speech? Of course. It, well, A, what do you mean by a maiden speech? I mean, she's been in the role for, what, six months? So it was a speech to the RTS. And absolutely, I would. This was a sophisticated audience of television professionals admittedly many of them BBC men and therefore she probably wanted to keep on side of BBC staff but yes that's absolutely what I expected and I thought it was a great shame that she didn't wade in that's what's needed you know BBC governance is a muddle however you look at it people don't know what the trust does as opposed to what the executive does. I mean, the classic example of this is Tony Hall's compete and compare or compare and compete or whatever it is, strategy where BBC programming would go out of house. That is surely something that should be tested by the BBC Trust. It should be given a public value test. But no, Rona Fairhead said at this speech that she hadn't even had a proposal about this. So, you know, who's doing what in the BBC? Somebody needs to take the reins there, and I hope it'll be Rona, but she really ought to get on with it. Leon, do you worry sometimes when you're dealing with the creative or editorial side of the BBC that actually, by necessity, because of the size of that organisation and the politicisation of it, some of the minds of the executives inevitably are on those kinds of mechanical decisions rather than what's the best show to commission at the moment, what's the best way to do it? Well, normally they're mostly concerned with how to book a room, yeah. So, I mean, there's kind of that's one issue when you go to the BBC is that's genuinely a very real problem is how can you, where can you meet when you're, you know, so there is obviously a sort of a problem being an organisation of that size that makes sort of focusing on ideas which is what you obviously want commissioners to be doing mm. and makes it, it makes it hard for them to do that I wish that the BBC would sort of there'd be someone at the BBC that would sort of stand up and fight for themselves a bit more I do think that Rona it's might have been a bit more robust in sort of putting out there the licence fee's got to remain it's got to stay and we've all got to get on board with it and you know the BBC well, seem reluctant to really fight for themselves I think they will say that but what they've got to do is explain how something like the licence fee is going to be administered in a future world where people are going to be able to access BBC material on their computers whenever they like, not, not necessarily live. Except, I do kind of wonder, I saw the stats, I don't know if you saw them this week, that apparently 80%, I think it is, of AOL's profits come from dial-up internet subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> People who are still paying to get dial-up internet. And obviously that's not actually the, the amount of subscribers who use the service, it's people who have signed up and forgotten about it. And you do kind of wonder, if I was running the BBC, I'd kind of think, you know, let's just leave the licence fee, because even though it's not perfect, we're getting a guaranteed well, amount of money. That's what they say, but you see, my 
my argument would be that that is going to change and it's probably going to change faster than you think and you can't depend on old habits dying hard it's it, and people are going to get more and more irritated about the idea that other people can get bbc content for free while they are paying for it and that and even if only three people feel like that one person feels like that it's wrong and the bbc should be addressing it but that's not really the whole of the point i mean ronifer had did not address the license fee she did not address the the nature of bbc governance or the role of, of the trust she did not address the relationship between the executive and the trust and some of the things she said were really really interesting but without that at the heart of it i felt that the rest of it was just to some extent window dressing she said some very interesting things about the regions and about relationships with regional press obviously that interests her because she was in the press but overall it was a speech without teeth and we really need someone at the bbc with teeth i mean even if as leon says they end up defending the license fee as is i want to hear something concrete right finally just time for the media quiz oh, there you I'm are, see? Well. Hear the regular listener excited about it. This is it, Liz. Oh, it's what the real listeners cold. care about. Uh, this week, and Leon, you're not allowed to steal this format, OK? It's on the record that you heard it here first. Our panel game this week, our talkback-style panel game, is entitled Hashtag Advice for Not-So-Young Media Personalities. OK, fine. Well, good pretty, good, pretty good title, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. You know, I can run it past the team. It's not ages, this, is it? <laughs> uh, I'll give you the name of a media personality and you suggest some advice to progress their career and I'll be awarding points for the best advice. Watertight. Uh, the winner becomes Jon Snow for the week. The loser spends six months as Brian Williams from NBC. Uh, first up, Daily Show host Jon Stewart. He's leaving the programme after nearly two decades. What careers advice would you give him? Leon. I can't give him any advice. He's a legend. I would want to give advice for the people that he, that have got to replace him. They're the people that have got to worry. John Stewart has go down in sort of comedy television history as one of the best sort of broadcasters ever. Well, but um, in a way that is kind of advice, isn't it? Because does he go into retirement or does he look to cover the presidential election? I think he'll probably go show? into uh, directing more films. I think that's probably what, he, what partly why he's left. He's directed Rosewater, is it? And I get the feeling he's probably got a taste for that and wants to do his own thing and sort of be probably move a slightly more political, serious direction. Um, when you're doing a nightly show like The Daily Show, that you know, as well as covering the big elections, he'll have to cover everything from Miley Cyrus as well. And I think he probably is just a bit bored of doing that and wants to sort of do his own thing. Yeah, he did it for 16 years, Liz. Have you got any advice for him? Yeah, I would say spend more time with your family because there was a <laughs> lovely line in, in one of the, I think, the points he made on the show where he said, uh, I'd like to have dinner at home with my family because I hear from many sources that they're very nice people. <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, I think Liz wins, actually, on that, I'm afraid. Zero points for Leon because he didn't actually have yeah, any advice for John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One point to Liz. Uh, right, advice for this person, number two. Sir Michael Lyons, whose latest venture, the local TV station Your TV Manchester, has failed to get on air within the two-year period Ofcom required. Uh, let's start with the victor from last round. Advice for Sir Michael, please, from Liz. Oh, I don't know. I mean, this really touches me at the heart because uh, I'm involved in a bid for a licence for Carlisle in Cumbria for digital terrestrial television. And when I hear these sorts of stories, I think, advise yourself, don't advise Michael Lyons. But I would say stay in there and keep going. I mean, is it necessarily going to fold? I hope not, because there's quite a few of us who are really interested in digital terrestrial local television, and I hope this isn't going to be the death knell. 
Okay, I, I felt your personal attachment to the story led to a bit of a cop out in the answer there, Liz. So, Leon, it's all to play for. What's your advice for Sir Michael? Scrap it. There you go. <laughs> one point to Leon, one point to Liz. Right, so there we go. It's the decider. Number three, what advice would you give to Channel 4 news presenter Kathy Newman, who has apologised to an Islamic centre in South London after tweeting that she was, quote, ushered out of the building? Uh, and then CCTV footage emerged that she'd actually walked out unaided. Uh, Leon is the victor from the last round. Uh, your advice to Kathy Newman? Take, uh, take a six-month break, like Brian Williams. I think that's the, you know, she's just got to really apologise. I mean, she, she has she apologised? She said she's just not going to be on Twitter. She's apologised, but Channel 4 News, I think, haven't made a statement about this at the moment. I think it's quite a big thing. I think it's quite a serious thing with a, a newsreader, especially for Channel 4 News, or the most credible news source, I'd say, on television, television news, does something like this. I think that... I don't wish any ill on her. I feel so, I feel a bit sorry for her, but I think she's probably got to really sort of fess up and be kind of really open about it. So, but more more of an apology, says Leon. What do you think, Liz? I think it's quite complicated. I mean, what what did she think she meant by ushered? Mm. I mean, out of the building. What does the CCTV actually show? Does it just show the exterior of the building? Was she actually ushered? into the hall or something I don't know it's quite a complicated one I, I would say but my advice to anybody is don't do Twitter look at Emily Thornbury you know it's a real disaster waiting to happen Twitter nightmare do you know I think Liz I think you win that I think you, you won that point and therefore the game that is it for today my thanks to Professor Liz Howell and to Leon Wilson we'll be back again next week with a bonus episode you lucky things you can grab new episodes as soon as they're ready by subscribing at themediapodcast.com uh, we're on Twitter I'm at Ollie Mann and uh, the podcast at The Media Podcast or you can like our page on Facebook and what is not to like about that uh, I've been Ollie Mann the producer Matt Hill until next time bye bye When you make decisions for your company you look for the no brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer it streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.